CLS is go for main engine, start. Go at throttle up. Negative return. Then we see a nominal Miko. Welcome to space. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Off Nominal. I forget the number, Jake. 56. 56. We are doing a, a, <laughs> a uh, wet dress rehearsal live stream because the wet dress rehearsal is always ongoing these days. Yeah, it's the That's perpetual works, wet right? dress rehearsal. <laughs> and we've got a special guest, none other than Philip Sloss. The, we were talking about this pre-show. The, the person who might know the most about SLS as a unified front of anyone on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but I, I do. I know a little bit. <laughs> Jake, do you want to roll out your theory as to why we're convinced this is true? Yeah. Well, so so we were talking about. Um, uh, so do you, you if you know Emily Lactawall, she wrote this book about the Curiosity rover, right? Yeah. And she wanted to like really understand the engineering of it, and she started to like you know the reason she wrote it is because there was it's such a big project that there was all these people that were like experts and specialists in their one little piece of the rover like you know i know everything about the wheels and that's it and no one knew the whole thing in like in completion there was no like one expert and so that's why she wrote the book and so i've decided philip that you are you are that person for sls because it's such a large project and and you are writing about it all the time you've been doing it for a long time and so you felt like the the right person to uh to get on and talk about uh this exciting time i guess for the rocket right so things are finally doing stuff so that's why we're that's why we're jazzed to have you yeah totally cool yeah, yeah no, i mean i i we as we were talking uh before we went live you know i i mentioned uh some of the best people to talk to about this and you know um i i don't know emily personally but i mean i'm familiar with you know she i know she does some work with the planetary i was at planetary society and yeah, yeah. um you know so uh this is definitely they have engineering that they do for all those spacecraft and that that's actually really interesting too um but this is you know maybe that's why i'm uh, i i dug into this so much is because i have an engineering background and this is engineering really i know they everybody says rocket science but it's rocket engineering too and so uh systems engineers i've talked to several of them and i would say they definitely hands down know more than I do on this. Um, and it's like, they, like I said, they, they need to, they need to be able to see the trees and the forest. And, and so, um, you know, uh, like, uh, Nijude Morancy now she's, she was more Orion and then mm-hmm. now she's in, um, advanced exploration systems. Um, but somebody like that, just like, you know, I could ask her anything on Orion and SLS and probably even exploration ground systems. And she would have just been able to rattle it right off. So, but the difference is they, those kind of people are not available at four o'clock on a Thursday to come on here and drink with us. That's so. true. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, I, no. I usually have a little more spare time than those people. Jake, you are on a surprise trip back to your homeland. Uh, did you go to am, your, yeah, did so. you go to your old stomping grounds of like the craft beer stores while you were up there? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I, I had a, it's a, a crappy circumstance, but I had a, a death in the family this week. And so I uh, took a, a trip up to Canada and I'm in my, my mom's uh, house here with uh, 
Uh, yeah, my road oh, setup. setup. So I sent this picture. Yeah. <laughs> Please just break this down a little. What is your mic sitting on? What mic is this? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So uh, I've got my iPhone up there as a camera. I've got my MacBook with me. Uh, and this mic, so, um, uh, you know, longtime listeners will, will recognize this mic because this is the original one that I bought to do the We Martians with. So that's the episode one microphone for the We Martians <laughs> podcast for, for all you longtime listeners. And I think um, after and this, got, Jake, you're going to sell an NFT of that. I think you mentioned. Yeah, I'll send an, an NFT of this uh, picture. Um, I've got some old magazines holding the MacBook up. And then uh, this right here, this is a, um, it's a leftover tile from my mom's bathroom. So she renovated and uh, it's uh, holding up the mic. So this perfect is like, a, this is the perfect tile off. to keep it at your, <laughs> the height you need. Exactly. Yeah, so That's right. Just off the camera yeah, here where my voice is. So. Yeah, let's hear uh, yeah, it for so Team I'm, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you it's my favorite road setup so far um and then yeah i've got uh uh so i'm in i'm in alberta um and so i went for a, a good old-fashioned alberta beer here big rock brewery in calgary it's a session ipa it's got a pirate ship or something on it i like that which i don't know this province is landlocked so i'm not sure where that came <laughs> from but uh no, that's how it goes <laughs> all right i've got a what do you got anthony a greco de tufo it's called it's from campania it's a white wine it's white wine season wow so i'm bringing bring the white wine back out very refreshing you can tell how humid it is in here today because of how drippy that glass is so because it's been raining i, I went from like the, the the i went from like the wettest place in the world to the driest place in the world so like i, I there's no no condensation at all here but <laughs> philip do you have oh anything well, fun have to here. drink over there i'm just no i'm working on i'm just working on some ginger ale today um, well, but it that works looks for me. Nice though. It's a, it's a good color. It matches. So, <laughs> yeah, and your stomach be will be very settled. Here. <laughs> yes, it might be a little drier here right now. We just had. I'm I'm based out in Los Angeles area, and we just had the Santa Ana's pickup, um, and so like the temperature went from uh, 60 degrees to 85 in about 30 minutes, and the dew point went from about 66 degrees to about 35 degrees in about half an hour. Or so. It's now very dry here. Wow, Much yeah, like yeah. the insides of the tanks of the SLS at the moment. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> uh, we got to do like, all right, before we dive into the whole situation, can we get a little rundown, Philip, on like what the hell happened for the last week? Because many storylines to follow about how many times they tried this. Where is it at currently? What is the best Philip's lost knowledge on the situation right now? Well, they had, I mean, that was, that was a crazy series of days. And I think that at least partly was why they decided to take a little bit of a break. Although, I mean, again, they, I think they also decided to take advantage of that time to, they wanted, I I think they want to come back to it kind of with a clean slate um, when they come back to the countdown, Um, you know, we are hearing some we are hearing some rumors today about um, maybe some possible issues. So we'll let's let's see what happens with obviously the Axiom launch is scheduled for tomorrow, and that's that has to happen first. But um, they were originally supposed to on this schedule uh, get to their sort of targeted T zero, and we can talk about that at some point. But there it's it's a it's a full countdown demonstration test and where they're targeting a t0 time um which was going to be sunday the third um about mid-afternoon um at the time and so they started the countdown on friday afternoon late um and then they got 
all the way to set. You know, they got to the next afternoon and they were getting ready to do the final pad configurations. And then they just had a really bad weather setup um, slam them. And you know, we're watching that. You know, we're watching the the storms and the and the cold front coming down and that kind of uh, you know uh, stalled cold front stationary front and storms running along that that they were having and um so what it turned out was is that they had and this isn't completely unusual but they had four lightning strikes within a a third of a mile radius around the vehicle um in that short period of time and then they also had very high winds and then torrential rain and all of those three things are typical florida weather um but to have them all happen right uh right at that time was was kind of uh was kind of tough and i think at that point then they were just behind for the next it seemed like two days and so um they came in the next day and they were ready to tank except for the fact that they were still behind and then they ran into an issue with uh the uh, uh i guess they're they're uh air conditioning blowers essentially. Um, and they have a primary <laughs> and a backup like they have for all of the, for all of, uh, all the equipment. And these actually aren't a part of the mobile launcher. Um, they're a part of the launch pad equipment. So they're off in a room that's, you know, set several, you know, a distance away, sort of an, I guess an underground room, um, in the pad infield. And then that, that those air conditioning ducts run all the way up to the mobile launcher. And the idea is you want to put a positive pressure. So the air is going out of the building in case you have a leak of hydrogen, oxygen, or any of, you know, they're the, the vehicles being purged with gaseous nitrogen too. So um, to keep all of that out of there, um, even though there's nobody uh, at the pad while they're doing this test, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to get any of that entrained inside the the mobile launcher when they go back in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they had that issue, and eventually it took them. They, it, you know, it of course evolved the exact way you would you would expect. So uh, they're working off the primary fan, or uh, the, yeah, it was a fan. So and then they had the circuit breaker pop, and so that one's not working anymore. So they went out to take a look and see well you know, like you have a circuit breaker pop at your house. Um, it's maybe a little more complicated because usually what, what I do is I'll just reset the circuit breaker. (laughs) But, um, after they talked about that for a while, they switched the backup and, and it ran for a little while and then it died and it didn't die the same way either. So, um, and then that was when they, that was when they decided to, uh, to call it a day on Sunday. And so they never actually flow propellant, um, on Sunday, which allowed them to, to come back the next day. And the problem is then now they're troubleshooting those things all night. So they come back in the next day. They're not, they're not really on schedule. And, uh, but they had, after working all night, they, they'd gotten the, the two fans configured to where they could support, uh, essentially a launch attempt. And so, uh, they discussed that for a while, and I guess what they said to us was just about the time that they finished discussing that and they were going to start flowing propellants, they then had this issue with uh, Air Liquide, which is the the, the nitrogen uh, provider for the Space Center. And, and so then it, what it turned out was is that they had a, a vaporizer. So, you know, if you've ever seen some, like of those, some of those – 
no. Different, uh, if you've ever seen, you, you've seen those. You've seen those. Uh, you, if you if you if you're on the freeway from time to time, you'll see these liquid nitrogen trucks. That you know, that it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a gigantic, like a gigantic caplets shaped vehicle. Is that how you say container. it though? Air liquid? Is that how you guys pronounce it? I, think, I, I always assume, I can be, I can be I don't I don't know anything about air it, liquid? and I always assumed that it was a, uh, it was a I don't know why they air, air liquid <laughs> yeah, is also making sh- my heart warm because I say water ice and everyone gives me shit for it, and air liquid is the same shit. Like that's just two states of matter. <laughs> yeah, why'd they throw the extra E on there then? I don't know. So um yeah. Uh we totally somebody threw them will, off. Somebody will take. Somebody will take that mail. Um, so Got the uh, our whole yeah. ep- our whole goal so anyway. of this episode is to let you get way down the weeds in SLS and make you totally forget your train of thought when you're halfway through. Right. Yeah. Well, here, let me get a sip of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, so at the they they tra- the it's moved around as liquid nitrogen, and then it they when they in the plant then converts the liquid nitrogen to, to gaseous form, and then it's routed through piping to the. It's similar to all other places that use this uh, type of setup. So again, like when they did the engine test firing at Stennis Space Center in Mississippi with the core stage, same thing because this is the same core stage. It requires uh, somebody described the core stage as a gaseous nitrogen pig, so it needs a lot of it needs a lot of gaseous nitrogen, and so. Um, you want to keep thing. You don't want to keep. You want to keep things dry inside the inside the, the the empty volumes around the propellant tanks. And so one of the things that they do uh, is they they're keeping a dry air purge in those when people are working on them. But then when they do hazardous operations like this, they convert. They switch the air over to to gaseous nitrogen. Um, for you know, it's a to reduce the flammability risk. So if you were to have a leak of hydrogen or something like that, then if you had a spark, you're at least kind of overwhelming that leak with nitrogen to try and keep the flammability down. So you don't go full they had, six right away, right? You always want to avoid yes. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I don't think the nitrogen. If they had a nitrogen purge, that that kind of a problem is not gonna. I don't think you're gonna be able to contain it with uh, with a with a gaseous nitrogen purge. Um, but that that set them back at least a couple of hours. Um, but they did finally once they got that established, uh, then they actually started into the tanking process, and they began with you have. Uh, two liquid propellant stages. Uh, you have the core stage, and you have the second stage, which is called uh, interim cryogenic propulsion stage. Um, they started with the core stage. They started with liquid oxygen, and they ran into a problem. Um, you know, we we started to see the we started to see the gaseous oxygen purges coming off of the off the four RS twenty five engines. So that was a good sign. But then, you know, again, we're getting these very sporadic updates. Uh, from public affairs and you know the whole export control thing and i could go on about that as well um, yeah. <laughs> uh, i do I, want to go on about that i want to hear some hot takes <laughs> okay <Yeah>. okay <laughs> it's funny because i'm i'm the one who's been complaining about that but it was like i was the only one who didn't complain about that uh this last week well at least not on not not during a teleconference anyway so um so they what they're doing is is they they're flowing liquid oxygen through you 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 have a sphere you have cross country lines from the sphere to the mobile launcher and then you have piping essentially i'm calling them lines that run all the way up to there are those two big tail service masts that are next to the engine section on the core stage um 
So, and then you run, you run into the plumbing in the core stage, the liquid oxygen plumbing, and you're trying to, you're trying to cool the metal down, uh, slowly, um, as opposed to shocking it. Like for instance, if you've ever had like a, a, a coffee pot, um, that's hot and empty and you run some cold water through it, it, you can break it real easily. You can shatter it mm-hmm. by, you know, doing a very, an abrupt change of temperature like that. So, uh, they're trying not to do that. And so <laughs> they got, what, what happened was, is that they ran into a similar situation that they did at Stennis when they first tried to load the core stage, which was that the, they were having trouble maintaining the temperature at a couple of different points uh, in the, in the core stage plumbing. And so it took them, uh, interestingly, it only took them and I say only, but it it only took them a couple of hours to come up with a a configuration that would work. And so they came up with that on the fly in a couple of hours. And they basically, uh, I don't know about if you'd call it solve the problem, but they, they were able to fix air quotes, fix the problem and, and start loading oxygen into the core stage at that point. And so that, uh, it took them a couple, well, let's see, it took them a couple of weeks, uh, at Stennis for uh, different reasons, but I mean, they didn't, uh, it, it took them a lot longer to do. So they're, you can see they're turning stuff around a little faster now. So that's good. But then they had a problem. So, uh, they'd already run hours late, but I think at that point they were thinking, well, we're probably not going to come back tomorrow anyway. So let's, let's do as much of this as we can and just keep going, find as many of these things as we can fix them. Right. They might as well. We're here already. And so they, they got into the procedures for liquid hydrogen chill down on the core stage. And then they ran into a problem where, as it turned out, uh, nobody, switched uh, a valve on the mobile launcher to the right position to allow <laughs> I, I saw this, down I tweets about when this. you say so, when you say they didn't switch it the right what do you mean actual hand, human hands need to, somebody, need to put this in the right direction you know they you know i it's it's hard to say but it, just the way it sounded it sounded like that was uh, that was probably on a checklist somewhere and it just didn't happen um, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you know, one of the questions I would have is, you know, okay, we all make mistakes. One of the things I was curious about was, well, how, how easy was that to fix? If you send somebody out there and they can just, uh, they can just, uh, manually open the valve. Much like the circuit breaker. They just continue. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. The, of course the circuit breaker, uh, they, <laughs> the fact that they moved on from that so fast was like, well, I guess they didn't want to touch that um, as they're afraid to just maybe re-put that circuit breaker in. Um, but that stopped them because the, the, it, it wasn't the actual, it wasn't flight hardware, but it was the, uh, the ability to open a vent valve on the core stage. And of course you need that because you've got hydrogen is at like 20 degrees Kelvin when it's at, at a boiling point. And so it very easily uh, comes back from liquid to gas. And so you need to be able to vent to control the pressure in the tank. And so, uh, that they, 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 you know, again, I, I, I wonder if they hadn't been four or five hours behind the timeline, if they would have tried to just address that at the time rather than just call it a day, which is what they did. So I feel like this right, is, ex- right. this, this is 
this description is perfectly uh, uh, descriptive of two things. Number one, your deep and impressive and ridiculous <laughs> knowledge of systems that no one really cares about other than nerds, and that's amazing. Well, and number me, two, the well, like, I'm a nerd. <laughs> exactly. You're, yeah. You've got your target market identified. Number two, the yeah. um, these operations are like. NASA is in this weird spot where they have to make a really big deal out of these different events. They have to do the rollout. They have to do a speech in front of the rollout. They've got to like do press conferences about the testing that they're doing on the stand. But every, even you know, compared to the Starship testing that we've seen over the last couple of years, compared to all the testing that we've seen for the various new launch vehicles coming online, like this is the kind of stuff that always happens, but NASA has to put tweets out about it and do press conferences around it. Yeah, and SpaceX yeah, yeah. is just like... Well, they, uh, you know, we're all tweeting. Well, I don't know what happened, but they're taking that one down off the stand. Like, guess it didn't really get all yeah. the way through. And and it's not that big of a deal for them to have to, you know, actually write stuff down and explain it to people because they can just do whatever the hell they want. And NASA's in a weird spot yeah. where we're mad at them for not putting out a timeline. It's like, you know, I, I it's annoying for one reason, but I'll give them credit for this because it's like, we can give you a timeline, but that shit is going to be out of date five minutes into this test because stuff's going to happen that we don't know about. We're going to try to figure it out. We're going to be working stuff. We can't put that in the timeline. The rest is going to be invalid four seconds after we start this thing. So, like, you know, I, I everyone crusading about, like, open optics and all that. It's like, I don't know. I wish instead NASA had enough hardware that they could have done this 300 times at the different stage that was just able to be tested all the time at 39B rather than making it this one big momentous thing that has to go perfectly. And that is my soapbox yeah, about yeah. this. No, so so you actually you you hit you hit what I was gonna say too. Like we're on the we're like we're mind melting. Like we right do now a podcast together. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Yeah, because it's like so we you know we talk a lot about how the the different testing processes compared to all these new rocket companies that are just blowing stuff up and, and and iterating really quickly and then you know nasa which does one and it has to get it perfect and it's like like that so but not only has the the actual process to build these rockets like diverged but now the way we consume that content is diverged because it's exactly what you said like like spacex probably forgot like a thousand different things when they were blowing <laughs> stuff up and stuff, but they just never we never knew it was supposed to happen and they never told us that they missed it and so we just oh whatever fine right but but yeah just like that nasa has to get in front of every single detail on this you know in a way and and no one's ever going to be happy with it but um it's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy so so philip it turned this into a question i'm really curious to, to know like how you because you've got a lot of you know colleagues that are working the spacex side of of the coverage at nasa space flight right how how are you like how are you dealing with that how are you how do you how do you work differently how do you collaborate when when the streams are just so so different <laughs> well it, actually it, it's pretty easy um i i stick to sls and those guys stick to uh you know starship and and well pretty much everything except sls so and and you know, furthermore I, you don't have a twitter account so <laughs> right. you barely interact or anything with else for that matter so yeah yes um yeah it's it's uh it's they're they're different you know i they, i you know i i i'm definitely coming at this from a from a the the opposite point of view from you guys because i think you know if they had done this test with with you know prototype hardware we i would have been interested in it um it's 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 you know it's the nature of the engineering and you know again I maybe we're spoiled uh, with past public rockets but I mean that's what they were and I think what's happened is is that 
uh, SLS has turned into a private rocket um, in spite of the fact that it really has no private funding. And you could say the same thing about Orion. Orion has kind of become privatized already, even though uh, they're technically not supposed to be, I guess. is I mean, that's, that's, that's editorializing, but... Uh, you know, you mean I, that by the way that the, is, the companies are now taking ownership over like the the data about what's going on with the vehicles? Is that what you mean? Well, it, this 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 test, the the wet dress rehearsal, is a good example of. So you guys, uh, I agree. If you watch if you watch a wet dress rehearsal, which would be a tanking test for for uh, Starship or or the booster, uh, we don't hear we don't really have any situational awareness other than what we, and I say collectively, we are able to discern after watching, you know, after watching the 25th (laughs) test, you can start to pick out patterns. You, you know, again, the 20 minute vent, these types of things with, with Falcon launches, um, after a while you get a chance to, you start to, you start to be able to see things without being able to hear uh, a countdown at. And so, uh, but this is, you know, this was supposedly a public rocket. Um, and so what's happened is that, I mean, as an example, again, I grew up with the space shuttle and uh, they used to. And again, you know, we saw, you know, all, all those old guys, and I shouldn't say guys, but all a lot of the old people who've been around who covered shuttle or watched shuttle um, from the beginning, or at least the beginning of the flights, uh uh, our remember tanking tests that they used to broadcast with commentary with, I mean, and they would start commentary with tanking, which meant just like on these tests, you're talking about eight hours before uh, a simulated ignition. And so. Um, <laughs> and eight hours of content somehow, in the old days, man, there were not Twitch streamers back then. So like trying to fill right. eight hours of content on CBS, you know, or whatever it was <laughs> in the 80s. It just depends tough. on, you know, <laughs> it just depends on what you're interested in. But I mean, that's, you know, this, these were the things we were talking about to, to you know, and I, I feel bad for the public affairs offices because they're kind of like customer service. They get to take all the venting from us and they really yeah, don't yeah. have any authority uh as someone told me you know uh, on that side that that they have influence over the discussion some influence over discussions they can they can make put make some input but they don't have the authority to decide one way or the other and so i think one of the frustrating things for uh for those of us who are uh you know trying to cover it is uh you know it's just there's just a lot of you know you go you go to a factory so again spacex's factory for starship is outside so for falcon for instance it's not it's inside but uh you know it's we basically get the same treatment we would get if we went to a private vendor uh like a united launch alliance or you know spacex hawthorne or uh blue origin you know the 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 uh, the factories at the at uh, in in Seattle area in at Kennedy Space Center. Um, so, but again, the question is: Is SLS public or is it private? Um, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, 
That's a that's, really. I, I don't you know, know if again, I've ever like gotten into this discussion with anyone because probably because ninety nine percent of the coverage of SLS out there is, you know, you said up front it's rocket science and rocket engineering, but it's politics is ninety nine percent of SLS coverage. Um, so maybe yeah, it's it's yeah. your, and this gets us into like how how you got into this side of SLS coverage that you did about the actual engineering side. But do you think that the other people aren't really picking up on that because they're arguing about congressional budgets? Like, why is it that you're picking up on that storyline when I don't hear anyone else talking about that in the same phrasing that you're putting yeah. in? Well, I think it's 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 probably along the lines of uh, it's 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 the same kind of thing as uh, watching a launch. Um, so, uh, you know, some people like to come in a couple minutes before liftoff. Some people like to come in a couple of hours before liftoff, and some people like to come in a few years before liftoff. So um, that's, uh, you know, I, I started to really dig into this uh, specific to SLS. <sighs> Boy, it's, I would say, beginning of 2015. So, you know, the, the, the project itself, of course, as you say, it's just a wash in politics. But, I mean, everything... That, that NASA does in human spaceflight is political. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I mean, the sort of the framework, you know, you talk to like somebody like Casey Dreyer with Planetary Society, um, you know, it, it, I, I haven't got a chance to talk to him about about this, but I'm, you know, listening to his podcasts and things like that. Just, it's really fascinating, but I, you know, that's, that's a, like a completely different rabbit hole to go down. But um in terms of, you know, so it's really just digging into it. And so, you know, I have a background and, and again, I, I grew up with the space shuttle. And so I have, I, I got an aerospace engineering degree um, way back when, you know, prehistoric times. And so, um, you know, I was interested in it to that, to that depth at the time, and then kind of diverged away from it for a while. And so, uh, but bringing those things into the the idea of trying to report on what's going on, um, you just really quickly get into, and you 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 see the contrast between shuttle days and and today. And we we hear people say all the time, it's you know things are different now, um, but that's usually about as far as they'll go uh, in terms of <laughs> okay, you know. And I'm like, well, how are they different? Why are they different? Um, um, because there are a lot of things that are different too. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I think the the concern that somebody would try to copy this system is it, it w is an interesting debate because you know we saw with the space shuttle, the Soviet Union copied it, um, but look at what happened to them. They flew it once, and that was it. It's like they spent a lot <laughs> once of money. Once their nation state and, collapsed, got them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's right. Uh, it was a imagine what they would do part. with a yeah. project as poorly managed as right. the SLS program. <laughs> right. We would wipe half of Eurasia off the political geopolitical map with this financially, oh, right? Yeah, right. New but, secret weapon. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's you know that's it's. I mean, I remember one of the one of the first uh, one of the first things that I that I covered was was a 
an RS-25 engine test, and it's essentially the space shuttle main engine with a new control system, so a new controller and and a new and new software. And I mean, I was asking them, uh, you know, and the, at that point, the 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 system had already, for the most part, gone through critical design review, and and that's important just in the sense of they already had a really good idea about what they wanted to do with, you know, in terms of operating the vehicle, building it and so on. So in terms of going into the details on a conceptual basis, could have done that in 2015. And, uh, you know, I was asking them things like, um, you know, during flight, what what kind of throttle profile are the liquid engines going to have from liftoff through main engine cutoff? And uh, they're, you know, they were like, well, we can't really tell you. And so I already knew at that point that that you know this was this was going to be different than than shuttle, um, and it was just a question of working with that to a certain degree. But I mean, there's you know when you get to this point, it it's really tough now uh, because um, you know I pitched to public affairs. So just a quick step back. So. Core stage was at uh, Stennis from the beginning of 2020 to about this time last year. And they did the same type of test on the core stage at the very end of 2020. Uh, what it called it a wet dress rehearsal. Um, and that was basically conducted completely in secret. Um, and so I knew based just on that, that, you know, Rather than just go into that test and watch them not say anything about it, I needed to at least raise it with the agency somehow, and it would be through public affairs. So I submitted a proposal at the end of June last year about covering this test. Um, and so, you know, and, and I, you know, I knew what I was going to need, what I would need to cover it properly, which would be, uh, you know, countdown at audio. And I mean, really, again, that's, I appreciate the fact that they're giving us a live stream camera, but that's not really going to help us cover the test. Uh, yeah, not any details. I would, right? You would want to look. It, it's it's exactly the same as a launch countdown, and I would want to see the cameras that they're going to use for the launch countdown. You'll you'll see a very big contrast between this and the launch coverage. Um, well, at least I hope so. But I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, you know. I was asking about this at the end of June last year. And so, you know, public affairs, of course, is they're, they're, they can't say yes or no. So, uh, but they wouldn't say yes or no. Again, it's not their call, but I didn't, I didn't get a no until about a month ago. Um, so, uh, by that time I'd gone through, you know, stages of grief, et cetera. Um, so I, you know, that, that, uh, you know, uh, this has been going on for a long time to different, to different degrees. So I knew not to get my hopes up about it, but, uh, you know, I was, uh, I guess I was, you know, I was glad to see that the, the rest of the industry, not, well, I, that, I, that, I think that's, that's overexpressing it, but the fact that there were people who are, you know, who think the same way that I do about this, that, that it, it should be more open at the very least. So, I mean, we, so, so, again, just to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask. Know. So like, you, 
you said it was it was been going on for a long time. So I because I, so I have um, my own opinions about the the transparency of of this current uh, NASA administration. They've been a little weird about some of the stuff uh, coming out. But you know, so is this is this an SLS program thing or is this a, a Biden administration? You know, a Biden Nelson administration thing? Like, are, have you been able to correlate it with that? And and I guess maybe the the the, the third part of that question is like uh, how. I don't, I'm not super familiar with the history of like ITAR, but is, is when did ITAR really like come into force? Because the last time, okay, unless you count like Constellation, the last time that that NASA did this was like the mid seventies and like, it was different. It's a different time, you know? So like, (laughs) yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how much, you know, where, where did this change? I guess is the question I'm trying to ask, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. ITAR was enacted in 1976. Right. So, but it, in terms of, I, I somebody somebody described it uh, pretty well, which is uh, from a just a, a general point of view, which is, I think what's happened is that now, just about anything technical, um, you run it by the lawyers for export control, mm-hmm. and so by de facto, you know, just as a de facto result of that, anything that you have to ask. The lawyers about becomes a de facto no yeah. because that means they have to say yes so you can't really disclose anything i mean i'm exaggerating yeah, to yeah. some extent no but, but I mean, they're, they're going to look at the paperwork that, and say why do these people need to know about the valves that we have on the yeah. mobile launcher why do these people need to know about yeah, the you know yeah, the temperatures yeah. that we're keeping things at and the timing right. it's, a, it's a better it seems unimportant to them right? right but if we brought them on in this show we could explain why we care but to somebody who's yeah, you know, tangential think, to the well, industry at best, why why should they say yes right. to that? Is is their viewpoint right? Right. Well, and it's I I I mean again my my own opinion is that uh, NASA doesn't have the bandwidth um, or the resources to to I mean just forget about everybody else. You know, just my requests. I get a sense they they can't handle the the level of. <laughs> requests that I've made, um, and uh, it's you know their their public affairs is is slammed by themselves, and I know that the the people that are just doing the reviews, the technical reviews, um, sometimes get slammed too. So it's and you know at least what's been communicated to me, and at least for some departments, is that uh, the people that are doing these reviews are it's it's not their full time job. It's like it's basically something mm-hmm. that they have to kind of moonlight with their real job. Um, so have I mean, you found I, particular I mean, sources that, that are, that are down to moonlight on this job? Like, are do you have good connections now? Cause I think you've done a couple trips out to facilities where SLS hardware was moving through, right. The past couple of years. I feel like I remember long in-depth oh, articles yeah, when yeah. you visited. So have you like established contact and you'd know, well, if I send it to this person at the press office at Marshall, then they'll probably get it through to, you know, this side of the other person that, would would be apt to fulfill my request or or how do you manage that well this no this is uh in terms of export control it it's it's um you're asking for permission you're never going to ask for forgiveness um so it's uh you know sources uh sources do help us um i'm certainly not the only person i would say you know again fearless leader uh chris bergen um and certainly you know chris gebhardt and um you know some of the other people you know, thomas berghardt he we have a, a lot of people who are, who are knowledgeable about this and who report on the industry and and they have sources and i have sources and 
Um, we do get stuff, but I, I would say the sources are respectful of that too. Uh, I, you know, I guess my problem with it is, is that uh, they don't, it, not the sources, but that it's just the way that it's applied. Um, because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> one of the things we heard, of course, um, after the teleconferences where it came up most recently was, well, this isn't that interesting of a test. You don't see anything. Um, well, and, and my response to that is, well, uh, all the interesting stuff you guys are hiding from us. So, um, I mean, I think we have, I think we're, we're talking about the, the, they have the wrong definition. What, what they're calling not interesting is what, what is really just secret. So um, there's lots of stuff that's moving uh, during the test. We're just not allowed to see it. Um, and so, you know, it's and and I yeah. I think the what's what's also interesting is again you also have this retroactive thing. So as an example, the the space shuttle program um, I think is more secret now than it was ten years ago when it ended. So it's harder to get information about that program, which has been retired for almost ten years um, now because of I would imagine because of its relationship to SLS. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of right. Uh, right equipment and some procedures but i mean you know the chinese have uh the internet too and so uh they may have they may have been looking uh 20 25 years ago at a lot of this stuff too so uh you know it's it's i i just i it's you know and then of course export controls like fight club so you know you can't ask about it either so it's that's that's you know kind of a that's kind of a you know i've i've asked i'm like can i talk to somebody about some of this stuff you know can i ask you know can i it's like can i ask why you know and um because really the the you know before we caught we came to this you know the issues that i was having was um you know you go to Mashud. Um, I can talk for lots, you know, hours with some people like the, the people there have been, were great with me, uh, before COVID. Um, and it's just, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't their choice. It's just COVID, COVID was a pro, you know, was a problem for everybody. Yeah, yeah. But, um, like there were, there were times when I would go to Michoud and it's like, I wouldn't even bother reaching for my camera because I knew they wouldn't let me take any pictures. Um, and yeah, the problem yeah. is that, the problem is that uh, you can only you can only do so much. You know, it's you know we're we're either allowed to tell or we're allowed to show, and not both of them. And that's that's kind of a hard thing when you're trying to educate, um, provide context, provide perspective. You really need to be able to yeah, do both. Yeah. So you have you have. It's funny you, you mentioned that because like I, I I've noticed that from reading your articles where like you go through this like very detailed like you know text description like man I could really use a diagram right now to help me you know place these these words that Philip is using onto a, a picture of the rocket so I could see what he's talking about but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we've, I think the unfortunate thing is that it's, uh, it's forced, it's, it's forced me to, to, you know, I just, I'm not able to write as many stories as I used to be able to do, but I mean, you know, I was able to get a lot of, uh, information and I mean, it's sort of just combining, um, shuttle, you know, shuttle experience, with uh you know shuttle watching back in the day with uh what i you know what i was able to pick up um 
you know, during the, you know, during these years that we're doing this. So, you know, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with, with nasaspaceflight.com, but it was really a uh, coverage of the shuttle, you know, as it became routine, um, you know, became, and, and also with the way media was until the internet, it, it really kind of dwindled down to very little. Um, and then the, and then even after the internet started, it was, it was still fairly, high level and so now you had uh chris come up with this site where he was he was um posting presentations and and a lot of the technical detail and my approach to this was um okay what if i took that information and i went to the principals and had them and discussed it with them and asked them to you know to explain it or you know to learn about it so i could explain it or at least attempt to explain it and so that was, you know, that was kind of the impetus uh, uh, when I when I got into this. Now, you know, again, I, if if shuttle had lasted longer, I probably would have tried to do it back then. It's just I, I wasn't able right. to get into it until the very end of uh, shuttle. It was like basically a little bit more than a year before the last flight. Um, and it was still fun to do that and couple of uh, cover a couple of launches and missions from Houston, but um, I really this this was the first opportunity to do that, and so um, I do think it was valuable, and I do think there's an audience for it. And um, I don't know that I would, you know, you talk about sort of a one size fits all thing, and I think that's again because of NASA's resources, uh, they're sort of forced to to pick. Uh, one size, and I, I totally understand that they want to go for a mainstream audience uh, for yeah, yeah. for what they're doing. But I do think what we're doing uh, complements that, um, and it, it gives it gives people an alternative uh, type of coverage. Right. I said this to Jake a couple of weeks ago when we were like, you know, putting the schedule together, and we're like, we gotta get Philip on. And uh, you're gonna hate this analogy, but in in the in the hypothetical future where there is a worst case scenario with SLS and something goes wrong and there's an investigation board, I'm like, man, Philip would be the fineman because you'd come in completely not on anyone's <laughs> side. You have all this like rant, you know, you'd be Charlie Day with the, uh, the red yarn. You'd be like, well, the, when I was in Mashoot the one time, they told me this and they wouldn't tell me the throttle profile. So if I plug that into this information that I got when I was at Stannis for the test, like you've got a network in your head of all these random because you're digging into it so deeply, right? And you're talking to people on background, I'm sure, and you're getting responses from, you know, FOIA requests or, or ITAR requests or whatever. Like, you have all of this. Don't delete your email is my main request to you. <laughs> because <laughs> at some point, we may need the email archives. So please back up your emails, put them somewhere, just in case, <laughs> in case we need to break them out at some point in the future. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, uh... Well, it's not funny, but I, I, you know, I would say, as opposed to, to, gosh, I assume it was Doctor Feynman, but you know, Richard Feynman, um, we're talking about the the uh, uh, Challenger Rogers Commission member um, who did the famous, or you know, sort of famously pushed back um, from that Put point the, of view the on, the, ring the, the on, ice, the, right? on the on the commission. But I guess uh, to me, uh, and this is of course an obscure, you know, and which of course is what I, I I'm always ta- reporting on. Um, Dennis Jenkins, um, who worked in the space shuttle program and he's an engineer, but who <clears throat> put together, uh, these large volumes, uh, uh, space shuttle history volumes and is a, in a, a historian and a shuttle historian, 
um, he was one of the people that put together the, the Columbia Accident Board report. And you can see uh, there, there's some really good historical information in there uh, that I think Dennis had a hand in um, putting in there just as a, as a way of, um, you know, expanding the record. And so I think... Is that uh, this book that you're talking about? I, the History I, I, of the American Space Shuttle? Uh no, it's I don't well maybe I it, that might be a new one. He's written he's written more. These are these are like uh these are like phone book sized uh, Oh, maybe this uh, one? Things. Space shuttle, the history of the National That's Space it. Transportation right. System, the first one hundred right. missions. Nice. Right. And it's like nice. I think the he released a final a final edition, which was either the fourth or third or fourth edition. Um and so I'll throw those yeah, in the show notes. You know, he's. I think uh, last last I haven't I haven't corresponded with him for a while, but he was working on putting together the the Endeavor display out here in Los Angeles with the orbiter, and they 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 got uh, external tank ninety four, which uh, they got that out of there just before the tornado went through Bashud. Um, yeah, yeah. And so they're trying to do they're they're trying to do a display where they're going to display it vertically. In a, in a launch configuration and so uh but he that would be you know i certainly hope we don't have to do something like that of course but um you know uh, to me i mean and that's you know of course we, we keep circling back to the, to the you know to, to coverage but um like to me that's 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 what i'm what i'm thinking is i'm just talking about a nominal you know a nominal flight um we we want to at least apply those principles to that you know, and so there's a lot of stuff going on, and you know, I think uh, one of the ways that they used to do this was, you know, uh, one of the uh, as an just to pick a topic, last 30 seconds of the countdown are controlled by the uh, flight computers on the core stage. Um, well, that's happening. All the things that are going on in that 30 seconds before liftoff happens too fast. To you can't talk through that at the same time it's happening. So right, right. Um, if you wanted to educate people, you would talk about that beforehand. Um, and you might, since it's a fairly dense topic for those people who are interested, you might go through it more than once. Um, and so, you know, and that was one of my pitches to, to, uh, to NASA about covering the wet dress rehearsal because of the way that they're doing it was we need the rehearsal too. And uh, we would like to be hearing the launch countdown not for the first time on launch day um, so that we have some notes that we can take and we can have the ability to uh, you know, provide, again, provide perspective, provide context um, rather than just you know, being you know, caught flat-footed. And I, it, I, you know, right. I think that's probably one of the frustrations is just we're sort of being forced down that road. So, hmm. um you know, that's, yeah. And, you know, and that's, like NASA misses out on a, on a big opportunity there, right? Because, um, you know, so when we listen to NASA spaceflight cover, uh, a starship operation, like the, the amount of times they've been through it and the, the date data they've accumulated gives them a ton of context. So a commentator on a NASA spaceflight stream is like pretty knowledgeable and they're 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 looking for things you know i listen to chris gebhardt of course is like a fountain of knowledge and i love that guy um so like just having him talk and like spill out his experience onto the stream is like super 
both entertaining and valuable, right? And and just like you said, so you're not going to have that with SLS because it's going to be everyone's first time except for the people actually in the control room, right? And uh, yeah, that's, that's, right. that's a missed opportunity because there could be a whole bunch of people that are evangelists for, for SLS because of that, right? But now they're just kind of going to be figuring it out on the fly, right? Right, right. Well, I mean, there's, you know, you'll still have the mainstream audience. And I mean, again, I, you know, for a lot of people, yeah. It, the, the the spectacle it's just going to be visually spectacular and so i mean I, I i don't know if you guys are gonna try and attend but you know that for me oh, yeah. was we, you know we have we have i don't know at least half a dozen people i know who either want to be there or are going to be there but you know i what my what my what i was talking to public affairs about was well you know launch day is at least 10 hours long, if not longer. I mean, what about the rest? You know, you've got, um, you know, the engine start and within about two minutes, it's just a little tiny dot. If, if everything goes well, just a little tiny dot in the sky, assuming everything goes well and it's not cloudy. It's not a big dot in the sky. Um, right. <laughs> um, the, what about the rest of the time? And uh, so, you know, when I first started this, I probably would have said, you know, I'm absolutely going to be there to watch it. But uh, one of the that's one of the things I think that I've kind of has crystallized in my mind is that um, my job, so to speak, and it would be a job to cover this, um, is is uh, I'm going to be one of the only people who's not just who's not watching it. Um, you are you know, you need to have eyewitnesses. We have camera you know we have photographers videographers that's their job is to watch it and to and to cover the visual but uh, you know what i was pitching to nasa was um you know i want to be close to a control center i want to be close to a, a a calm loop because you know as we've seen with the wet dress uh, they haven't they just they got through a, a, a significant portion of it but you know, that's what we wanted to be covering. Um, well, that's what I wanted to be covering. And so um, I'm not planning on being there because um, I, I, I don't know how often you guys have, have uh, covered launches at the Cape, but, you know, if you get, if you're, if you get stuck out on the causeway, for instance, and then they throw you back on the buses to come back to the press site, you're stuck with that cell co- cell coverage um it's really yeah, a very yeah, poor yeah. place it's really a very poor place to cover the rest of the ascent from solid rocket booster separation to miko to you know the perigee burn to tli and and then you know the flip side of that is if you're out at the causeway for four hours before launch um you know they usually will provide loudspeakers to hear something but now they're not talking you know we weren't uh, we asked about launch day. So forget about the wet dress. We asked about getting a countdown net for launch day. And like right now, you know, I, if I, in fact, I think if you listen to any of the teleconferences, they haven't committed to the countdown net. Yeah. They're like, we hope yet. we think we might. Right. Yeah. I don't right. know. The power has so, been spotty yeah. on the causeway. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Right. I, so, yeah, I'm like probably one of the few people that are like I'm intentionally not going because I don't 
have I don't know that I'm going to be able to know what's going on um, at the press site, really. And that's mm-hmm. the reason why I'm not. That's the reason why I'm not. Otherwise, I'd have been standing next to Chris Gebhardt on Sunday and Monday at the press site. Um, I mean, I that's you know, when I first started doing this, I figured, well, I'll just rent a place in in you know in Cape Canaveral or Merritt Island or Titusville for you know the the six weeks around the launch because there's no point in you know going back and forth between California when you know, you'll have the rollout and the wet dress and then they'll, and then it, at the time it was, you know, we're going to roll back, we're going to do a couple things and then we're going to roll back out to the pad and we're going to launch. And so it was like, I may as well just stay in Florida. Um, and so now it's probably going to be, I'll just be here in California um, <laughs> and wa- listening, you know, watching the, watching the streams. Um, so One of the weird side is, effects of, of COVID of- too, is that we're all like really good at like covering launches from our, <laughs> our bedrooms. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, and it was, it was really, it was kind of interesting. Like, again, I, I was, um, I wasn't able, pardon me. I wasn't able, there's the ginger ale talking. Uh, there, I wasn't able to, um, go to the first, uh, green run hot fire in January of last year, but then I was able to go to the, to the, uh, second one in March. The good one. And so, the good one. Yeah, yeah. And so we're, you know, it, it's funny because they had a little tent with a TV and and the with the light, you know, with the the NASA TV coverage, and you know, nobody's there's nobody in there when you get down to the last, you know, <laughs> once, especially once the once you get down to the last thirty seconds, the engines start and you're, you know, it's it's right there in front of you. You don't need the TV to see that it's, you know, to see what's happening on the on a big scale, but I mean we can't see the, you can't see the engines from yeah. the, from the, can't viewing see the fire site. breaking out on the, no, there were, yeah. there was yeah. basically, there was just two media guys. It was myself and Bill Harwood with CBS news who everybody knows. Um, there were just two of us who kept running back into the tent to see what's going on with the, with the test objectives during the test. It's so uh, it's, it's, you know, it's like, um, instead of, you know, I'm just not going to be running back and I'm just going to be in the tent now, except it's going to be here. You're staying here at in home the tent. And my, you know, <laughs> yeah, here at home. I'm going to be in the tent for the launch. The um, Phillips Lost tent you know. in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 And so, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll have, you know, there will be guys. It would be great to just be able to go out there and just watch it as a spectator, but it's just not my job. It's what we like to do, though. So we'll be there. We'll be we'll be spectating. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys. Something. Cool. We're gonna be. Yeah, you yeah. guys will be there we'll be for doing me. our thing. <laughs> and like I said, you'll see. You'll see a lot of us. A lot of our. A lot of our team will be there. We'll be. We'll be uh, yeah. running through the the field by the countdown clock, giving Chris G a hug, right. like we did after Falcon Heavy. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's the that's the Chris moment. G memory for us. Yeah, <laughs> <We're> like leaping <laughs> through the field. <laughs> it's so good right oh man well right. we're, we're here at the end philip is there i know you're not really a, an internet presence kind of person so is there anything in particular that you want to send people to other than nasa space flight where you're writing is there anything that people should be keeping their eyes on as uh, we get down to what hopefully is the last few months of the sls being on earth right uh no, I mean, I would say, you know, same thing, you know, um, for, for people who've been following us, um, you know, that's, that's the, that's probably the best place to go for, for our coverage. And, you know, you know, certainly, uh, you know, stay tuned with, with, with us and with NASA and, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they're, uh, ready to, to launch here this summer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't come on the one date that Jay can't go or the one that I can't go. And uh, yeah, we'll yeah. figure something out. I'm no, pretty no, convinced no, I'm so not going to actually see the launch. Like, I'm convinced that I will be in Florida, but I won't actually see the launch. Is how I'm, is that's, yeah, I'm convinced yeah. about that. Uh, but I always go in uh, to launches yeah. thinking that so that I'm not disappointed. And if you, if you right. are somebody who has watched the video of Jake and I watching Falcon Heavy, you'll see that I grabbed Jake right at liftoff because I'm like... That was the moment where I was like, "Oh, we're here for it." <laughs> it actually, yeah, right. it actually happened when we're here. So that's how I always <laughs> like to go in. No, no, I was gonna say though, Phil. So your your coverage is great, you know. So we haven't spent enough time on this episode um, bragging about you, but you 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 have such fantastic articles. There's so much detail. Um, you know, one of the ones that I, I there's an article that I go back to like every couple of weeks now so far this year, which is the inside the um, the complicated Artemis One launch window planning. You know, which is like all the different constraints that you have for for when it can take off right and it's got the calendar and it's got all the different right. things about the uh the um the flight termination system and and how it all works and, and figuring out when this thing can actually launch this is like like such a useful piece of information and so shout out to you for for putting this really really valuable content out because uh there there are people like us who really depend on this and, and love it so good work <laughs> thanks thanks yeah. Jake, do you have no, anything i, I, I hope i hope we get to get doing it <laughs> uh yeah i know so I, I i don't have much going on right now and today i've been a little a little uh, wrapped up unfortunately in family stuff so um i will say just go check out the the peter beck interview That's that i put one. out this week which was great um lots of fun with this one uh just talking about uh not talking about rockets so rocket lab and not a rocket interview so that was kind of fun just talking about uh photon and exploring mars and the moon and venus it was uh it was a great interview so uh, check it out wemartians.com uh, I don't have any other shows out since we've been talking. I will have one coming about uh, Kuiper Mania because there's yeah, some big, launch contracts. Big launch pride is here. <laughs> but next week, oh, next week on this show, Caleb Henry will oh, be joining us, fresh out yes. of moderating the panel about those crazy launch contracts at Space Symposium. Uh, chance that it might be a very special episode with Caleb Henry in which I might have to fit another chair in this tiny office of mine. So <laughs> we will see exactly how the tech shakes, shakes out for that, but. In some form, uh, Caleb Henry, either in this shot or in a different shot, Caleb Henry will be on the show next week. So I'm It's going to be like, there's that meme. You've seen that meme about um, what it's like listening to podcasts, and it's just like a guy sitting next <laughs> to like a, a poster thing, of people yeah. talking. That's going to be me. I'm just going to be like in my, my room somewhere in Mexico, and you guys will be having this great conversation and, and like cheersing with beers and stuff, and I'll just be like, hey. Let's <laughs> see. I hope. I, it's not unconfirmed. It's unconfirmed, but we'll, uh, we hope. Uh, all right, that's cool. about all we got. Thanks for philip for being here yeah this was uh yeah, exactly no what i was hoping for to just crack the curtain open a little bit like how does philip get this in depth to sls and i feel like this is a master class in exactly that so <laughs> right well hopefully i i didn't get a chance to get to my props maybe next time oh yeah i know the props the props <laughs> oh props it's no oh, big man. deal okay yeah all right well episode two of philip's loss we'll yeah yeah well we're gonna right. obviously number one either we'll see how long the wet dress goes it could be sooner than you think and uh, launch day. <laughs> We're going to have to have you back around the launches as well. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. Bye. Bye. One, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. End of test.